Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Winder. And remember, what's happening in Vegas is not staying in Vegas, as I bring you helpful tips and all sorts of topic areas, with a Vegas twist of course. So let's get the show started. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's good to have you back in for another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about gaslighting, which is a very interesting topic. But before we get to that, I just wanted to do the regular check-in. If you've not rated or reviewed the show on Apple iTunes, please go and do so. It is greatly appreciated. Um, Also, if you haven't signed up or are part of the Facebook group page, The Vegas Therapist Podcast, please go ahead and join I uh, post links to the links to the podcast on there as well as other articles and just different content that you can comment on or give your feedback. In fact, for this episode, I did something that I probably should have done a long time ago, which is kind of let you know what the episode is going to be about, which led to some feedback and people messaging me about their experience with gaslighting. So I think that's been a great thing to to try out. I'm going to incorporate some of the things I got from people in this episode, which I think will be great. Um, So look for more of that on the Facebook group page in the future. So let's get to the episode. Again, we're going to be talking about gaslighting. um, And I've wanted to do an episode on this topic for a while now. I think it's a very intriguing topic. And so I want to start with just sharing with you a story of someone who was who has experienced gaslighting both in a relationship as well as in a business setting. So this is what they said, just how frustrating it is to be made to believe a completely false narrative. It's like a disease. You know you're right, but you're being told no, that never happened, or you're just imagining that. It made me believe things were my fault, that it was my fault for so much, that my spouse was never belittling me, I was just being too sensitive that my business partner only had my best interest in mind and that he wasn't going to try to undermine me or go around me, that I just must be imagining it. And the sick part of all this was I believed it. And that, in effect, is the result of gaslighting. And so if that sounds like you or if you've experienced something similar in a relationship, um, then this episode is for you and you want to strap in and pay attention. And I think to some degree... We've all experienced some level of gaslighting, whether we identify it as that or not. And that's kind of part of the reason for doing this this episode is to heighten awareness of what gaslighting is and how we might be experiencing it without even knowing it. Um, I know my wife and I were having a conversation the other day, um, as we do at the end of each day, kind of talk about our days. She's a nurse. I'm a therapist. And so we talk about different things that we go through. She'll ask about different cases or interesting things I'm I'm dealing with. And we're talking about a couple of different things that I've been working with. And, and she uh, was kind of giving me her perspective on what she would do if she was in that situation. And I know at that time, as I was kind of prepping for the episode, I said, yeah, that that's right. And I can see where you would think that or do that in a very direct way. I said, but you're also not being you're also not being gaslighted. And so therefore you have a much clearer vision of the problem and what you would do. But when people are being gaslighted, 
their sense of reality, their sense of confidence in themselves and making decision goes away. And so they're not always able to do the things that we think that we should, we should do. And we've got to take that into context. So, um, so then as you think about that, you might ask yourself, how could a, how could I or another person not know if they were experiencing this from someone? And the truth is gaslighting is a tactic in which people utilize in order to gain more power over someone. And they do this by making their victims question their reality and believe um, that that reality is true or that the other person's reality is true. And this does work. It's a common technique used by abusers and narcissists where again, our reality comes into question, our own sense of self-confidence uh, also comes into question. And this tactic is often done slowly. So the victim does not always realize how much they've been manipulated or brainwashed. So as it happens over time in a slow and methodical way, it just kind of builds and you know, uh, the, the effects are great. Uh, often the victim will feel like they are losing their mind. That's something that many people have used to describe the way that they feel in these relationships. And in a mild form of gaslighting, it can leave you wondering why you always seem to end up in the wrong. And then at its worst, it can lead to a degree of self-hatred and even major depression. So I think as we kind of go through this to understand gaslighting even more so and whether or not we're experiencing it, we should probably break down some of the dynamics. I think the first thing is, is that to understand that this can occur in all types of relationship, parent-child relationships, uh, boss, employee, husband, wife. And even though I'm going to focus mainly on um, the relationship side, partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife side, um, I just want you to know that it can occur in many other places. Um, I think one of the most devastating places it occurs is parent-child because even at that point, you know, that you think about what gaslighting is and as you kind of become more familiar with it, you know, that can be one of the most damaging places for it to occur because children, teens, whatever, they're already struggling kind of with their sense of reality. And I think when parents use that technique on them, it's just very devastating and very um, problematic, but it does happen. Parents do do that to their kids. And so it's something that um, we can't just ignore or think that is not happening. So the basic premise of a, of a gaslighting situation is that you have the gaslighter who ultimately, and this is important to understand, they need to be right in order to pr preserve their own sense of self and sense of having power in this world. A gaslightee, on the other hand, is someone who allows the gaslighter to, to define their sense of reality because they idealize them and seek their approval. Now, people might be upset by that definition when I say a gaslightee allows the gaslighter to define them. They may think, well, they may not have a choice, but in the book, The Gaslight Effect uh, by Dr. Robin Stern, who I've gotten a lot of information from for this episode, I think what one of the things that she says is that there's, I mean, the reality is two people are in this, in this relationship. And the person that is the gaslight E does play a role in it. And maybe they don't feel like they're allowing it, but there's things that they can do or not do to, I guess, change that dynamic. Um, they may at times feel powerless to that. But again, as we get into the episode, we'll, we'll talk more about what they can do to, to change that. Um, and so 
anyway, that that's so those are the dynamics or those are the roles in in the relationship. And like I said before, I mean, you know, I, it, I've I've seen this a lot, uh, primarily in in the notion of male to female, male is a gaslighter, female is the gaslighty. But it's not just one dimensional in that way. Um, the experience I read earlier in the episode was a female to male. Uh, gaslighter to gaslighty, so it does happen in those situations. So it's not like it's a uh, a male dominated technique as far as people who utilize it. So now you might be thinking, okay, so here's this topic. We're talking about gaslighting. What might be some of the signs that I would look for if I was in this situation? If I maybe um, don't quite know, or maybe want to understand what I would be feeling. And some of the common signs are if you're constantly second guessing yourself in the relationship, uh, always apologizing to the other person, maybe you wonder consistently if you're good enough, uh, you can't understand why you're not happier based on like the circumstances of your life. You frequently find yourself making excuses for your partner's behavior to family and friends. You find yourself withholding info from family and friends to kind of preserve the gaslighters. Uh, sense of self as well, um, trouble making simple decisions. And finally, you have a sense that you used to be a very different person, someone who was more confident, fun loving, and relaxed. So those would be some of the things you'd want to look for. And if you have noticed anything uh, in relation to yourself about those things, uh, it may be even more important for you to continue to listen and really to start to look at some of the interactions and conversations you're having with your partner so you can determine whether or not that that's the tactic that they are using to maintain a level of control in the relationship. Um, so now as we kind of move forward in this, so there is a process of kind of like some stages that are also involved in the gaslighting process. Again, like I said before, you know, it's something that kind of moves. It's a slow moving thing. So the initial stage is the, the stage of disbelief. So on the gaslighties part, they might experience like this, a time or a moment when the gaslighter initially says something that seems so outrageous, um, even to the point where you think, did they misunderstand that situation? Am I misunderstanding them? Were they joking? Kind of what was going on? And that could come in the form of something like, the gaslighter says to you, that guy who just asked us for directions was really just trying to get you into bed. And you might be left thinking like, what the heck? Like how, how did he get that out of that conversation? Again, was he joking? Was he making that up? Did he misunderstand something? Did I not see something? So the, the disbelief stage is a stage that leaves you feeling confused, frustrated, and then anxious. Cause you start to maybe even question like your own, responses in those situations. Like if I, if, if that guy was trying to do something to me, was I giving him a sign or was I giving him a vibe that I was interested in that? Like what part, what part did I play? So again, the confusion, the anxiousness of your own self that starts to happen in the relationship as this, as this begins, or as this technique starts to, um, come into a relationship. The second stage is that of d defense. Here is when the gaslighty begins to search for evidence to prove the gaslighter wrong and argue with them obsessively. Often those arguments do just happen in your own head. You're kind of having this conversation, this battle back and forth about 
maybe what was said or what wasn't said or what you're being told was the reality. And you're kind of trying to come up with evidence to maybe to prove that again, either directly or in your head. And the other part of this is you definitely are trying to win the approval of the other person. In this stage, you frequently feel obsessive and desperate. So I'm obsessive over maybe the content of the communication, the the elements of the, you know, what was maybe being said, the realities that are being contrasted. And I obsessively think about the discrepancies and the things around it. And, and like I said before, just the, the notion of how do I prove that this is, that my reality is what the reality is versus recognizing that part of the problem is, is that this person is usually utilizing that technique as a way of, of beating me down or controlling me or, or things of that nature. The third stage in the process of gaslighting is depression. At this point, you're actively trying to prove your gaslighter is right because then you could do things their way and get the approval um, that you're still hoping for. Um, you might have thoughts like maybe I, maybe I am rude or mean or bad. Um, maybe that's just who I am. Maybe I haven't seen it before and he's just pointing it out. And so therefore, uh, it must be true. In this stage, um, you feel exhausted. You feel worn out, uh, too worn out to argue. And so here your self-confidence is really just kind of like shattered and nothing. Um, you feel hopeless. And so you're just kind of giving in as a way of, uh, as, as a way of trying to, I guess, create something different potentially. Um, so anyway, those are the stages. And as you think about those things, you know, within those stages, obviously different thing is different things are happening, different conversations are going on, different in, incidences are kind of moving you through those stages. But one thing that's constant through that is this uh, gaslight tango, as Dr. Robin Stern refers it to, refers to it. Um, and so I want to kind of talk a little bit about that tango because it's something that, again, we, whether you're the gaslighter or the gaslightee, hope, you know, I, I'd imagine most people in this situation that are listening to this are probably the gaslightee. Um, if you are the gaslighter and listening, hopefully you're, I don't know, not taking notes and how you can continue to do this, but maybe realize that you need to change your behavior. But regardless, there is a, a tango that goes on and it's something that we have to be mindful of too, to, again, to recognize where we can change that or where, what we can do differently if that's what's happening to us. So as the dance begins, the gaslighter insists that something is true despite your knowing that it is false. And what ensues from there, the gaslighty tries to get you to see things there in their way, gets you to, tries to get you to see things their way, essentially. They try to win the argument or convince, or you try to then win the argument by convincing them uh, to be more reasonable. And that becomes the biggest part of that dance is this notion of, being told something is true, you knowing deep down that it's not true, but yet now I have to go through this process of trying to convey that. And that's where, like I said, the tangle begins. Now, as you experience this and go through this, you would think after several times of doing it that you would just kind of opt out, get away from that, don't stop doing it. So 
we start to think about, well, why do people continue to go along with this, this way of communicating or way of being in a relationship? And the first thing that's important to understand is that there often is a fear of what is termed this emotional apocalypse. And here, this emotional apocalypse, in a sense, is this explosion that's happened on the gaslighter's part that has basically flattened everything in its vicinity. It poisons the atmosphere for weeks and the gas lady has experienced that. So whether that's this huge anger outburst and just, you know, berating of sorts. And so the gaslighty is in constant fear that if the gaslighter is pushed too far, that this will be the result. And eventually the gaslighty just does do, tries to do anything that they can to avoid that from happening. So that, like I said, can be a huge burst of anger. It can be the gaslighter trying to go into this place where they just remind you um, of all your worst fears, treat you with total or threaten you with total abandonment. Um, they also really can double down and just really press this sense of doubt on your own perception and um, in particular, your sense of reality. So that's kind of what, you know, part of the thing that we're, we're going along with is that we're doing some of that to try to avoid this big, huge, you know, blowout. Uh, it was interesting um, in preparing for this. Uh, I had a client the other day that was kind of telling me about their process. And I use that term. Also, you're afraid of the emotional apocalypse. And they just kind of looked at me and, and, and chuckled and then asked about what that was. And it just kind of made sense when we talked about it, that that's what they were trying to avoid, always sort of trying to please or allow the other person their way in fear of this emotional apocalypse. Um, the other thing that happens, the reasons why we can go along is that deep down, we just have an urge to merge as they call it. And this is all about the need for approval. Uh, we need valid, we, oftentimes we, we feel like we need the validation of the gaslighter to see ourselves as good, capable and lovable. And so when the gaslighter, uh, or lighty, when the gaslighty feels anxious about that disapproval or, or some type of a disagreement, they tend to just quickly align themselves as quick as, as fast as possible with their partner and ultimately then give up on their own perception and just again, go along. And that's based on the need for approval. So with everything that we've said so far and talked about in terms of this dynamic, you might ask yourself the next thing, which is, well, why would people stay in those types of relationships? Now that's different with why they're going along, which is what we just talked about, but why would they continue to stay? And I, and I would say like with anything, there's a number of reasons that, that flow into that. Some of it may just be simply material concerns, a way, you know, a lifestyle that they have, fear of abandonment. There's a lot of people out there that have emotional wounds, um, in their lives already. And so then the, the idea of being abandoned really scares them. And so they stay in these relationships. There's also the fear of humiliation. Uh, I think this is a big one that we often maybe not overlook, but I think it's a big part of it. Um, because here is where the gaslighting might be thinking, you know, everyone saw this, they told me, they warned me, um, they said he was a bad person or she was a bad person but I stayed with them. And so now, you know, the acknowledgement of, okay, maybe they are bad or this relationship is bad, you know, feels too daunting to kind of face. Um, and so 
again, you stay in, you try to make it work. There's also something I've come across recently. And it was interesting because this, I had this experience with a client um, before I had read stuff in the book and this really brought it to light. But there's also this power of fantasy that exists in these kind of relationships. And this is where the gaslighty maintains a fantasy outlook on the gaslighter and their relationship. So you might hear things in this, in this way of like, you know, we're soulmates. Um, this is the person I can't be without, um, you know, things of that nature where they're building up the relationship in a way that may not really exist, but they're holding on to something that they feel could be or should be, or they'd like to be. And so as I'm about to share this example, I just want to make sure that people out there listening know that what I'm sharing is not in a critical way or a mocking way, but it's really for people to understand the power of this fantasy and the state of distortion of reality that can get, uh, that can set in when you've been in a relationship where you've uh, experienced extreme gaslighting. So in a sense, so after one of my clients um, had shared with me about a recent fallout of an emotional apocalypse where they've had, and they had several of these in their relationship, but a more recent one, um, she then began to share with me uh some of her, I guess, sadness about leaving the relationship or the possibility of leaving, leaving the relationship um, because she was uh, sad about that she would miss out on some of the fall activities that she thought that maybe they would do this fall, like, you know, pumpkin patches and hikes and different things like that. And so I asked her the question, I said, well, have you ever done those things with your partner? And she replied, no, not really. And then my reply was, well, then how would you miss out on those things? Or why would those things all of a sudden be a part of your relationship if they haven't been in the past? Her response was, oh, an O meaning realization of, I guess I'm of her fantasy of the kind of relationship that she has hoped for or wanted, but the reality of it's not that way, nor has it been that way. And that realization, I think, really hit home and was really difficult to kind of absorb in that moment, but very much needed in the fact that I'm kind of keeping this relationship alive in what I hope it to be, but not in the reality of what it really is. And that's a really dangerous place for people in this situation and, and that are being, you know, experiencing gaslighting because it's just you're holding on to something that's not there. And so I think it's gaslighties they need to be more mindful of that draw towards the fantasy of this person that you're with obviously versus the reality and especially the fantasy um, that can also happen from an individual level is that we're strong enough to transcend whatever it is that we're in that's another part of it i didn't really go into that that much but like this notion sometimes can occur with people is that um, they believe that they're just strong enough to to transcend it to change it, to make the other person kind of come to a better place in their life, to be a better person. And that's another one we've got to be, be careful with. Uh, okay. So uh, everything so far doesn't seem too good to be in that state where you are experiencing gaslighting. So the qu next question really becomes, well, how do we turn the gas off? How do we, how do we stop that? 
Now, the easier answer might be just get out of the relationship. But if that's not where we're at right now, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but if that's not where we're at, um, we need to do some things to try to get ourselves out of that that situation uh, mentally and emotionally. And we can start doing that by sorting out truth from distortion. Now, how do we do that? If we're confused, if we're uncertain, if we're lacking confidence, well, I think one of the first things we can do is get back to listening to our inner voice. Our inner voice is something that we need to be able to trust in these situations. And if we're struggling with that, then maybe we go to the next thing, which is maybe we just start writing everything in a journal as a way to kind of check our reality and keep ourselves in a better place. Um, we can also talk to a therapist um, or a trusted friend. Sometimes, you know, we can look at things and say, maybe we'll, maybe our friends might be biased. Maybe they already don't like the person we're with, but really if you try to choose somebody that's a trusted friend, somebody that knows is going to be straight with you and maybe just start talking to them, or like I said, a therapist and writing in your journal, just so you can start to sort out um, those distortions. The second thing we can do to try to turn off the gas is decide whether a conversation is really a power struggle or if it's something else. And if it's a power struggle, we just need to opt out of it. Just let it go, not try to win, not try to be right, not try to defend ourselves. Just like, okay, I see what's going on here. Let me just kind of get out of this. Um, the third thing we can do to try to turn off the gas is focus on our feelings instead of right or wrong. Um, and really, when we think about this, the only way to really free ourselves from the trap is to stop worrying about which one of you is right and focus on your feelings. If you're feeling bewildered, attacked, devastated, or terrified, then something is wrong. Something fishy is going on. So no matter what you did, even if you feel some level of regret, regret, ultimately you're being gaslighted and you should just disengage immediately. So again, learning to trust our feelings, learning to, to really reconnect with that and know if something, like I said, is fishy going on, we just need to get out of that situation and, and stop the argument. Uh, the fourth thing that we can do is, is that we have to let go of the idea that we can control anyone's opinion. So if we're trying to get approval and we're trying to force that way through this, um, even if we're right, we can't necessarily control that. So we just have to be able to let that go and not worry about that. And I know that the person might be our spouse, it might be a good friend. They might be an employee that we really want or employer that we really want to feel that way towards. But the more that that sense of approval controls us, the more we're going to fight to be right, the more we're going to fight to get that approval. And it's just not going to be good for us. So those are some things we can do internally as a way of trying to turn off the gas um, and not let that affect us as much. But the last thing that we should kind of cover is the notion of should I stay or should I go? And I think making the decision to do this obviously can be a difficult one. But here's an exercise that I think we can try to kind of look at. And really, this kind of this comes from the book, The Gaslight Effect. And it, she just talks about the notion of visualizing yourself in the relationship and visualizing yourself in the relationship next week. And really be detailed about it, kind of really seeing yourself, your sense of self-confidence, well-being, all those kinds of things, what you're doing, what you're involved in, then visualize yourself in the relationship next year. What's that like? What's your life like? What makes you happy? Do you see yourself happy? What are you enjoying with this person? What things are you doing? Then visualize yourself three years from now. 
same thing. What's life like? What are you doing? What's making you happy? Um, now ask yourself the question, how likely is it that the relationship you are in now will bring you the future that you want? How likely that's going to happen? Think about the dynamic of, you know, if you've ever been in one of those emotional apocalypses and that happened, it's like, so say if you're not, you don't have kids or anything, what happens if that happens? Like if you visualize that happening with kids in your life, what's that going to be like? How are you going to feel then? So I think there's some things that we can do to kind of think about and, and try to put ourselves in that, in that place. And really the key is, is this the relationship? Is the relationship I end going to bring me the future that I want? And if the answer is no, then we need to take the steps to getting out of it because that is a toxic relationship and not something that we are going to thrive in. Um, cause there's no guarantees that the other person is going to make any changes and we have to sort of live like that, that may, that's going to be the case. So anyway, hope that you have, I don't know, enjoyed the show, I guess. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a heavy topic, but like I said, I think the awareness of, of gaslighting and what it can do to us emotionally, uh, to our overall sense of self and our confidence is really important to understand. And I hope that this helps people. And if you're in a relationship where you're being gas lit, um, that you take steps to dealing with that in a much more healthy way, even if that means getting out of the relationship and basically taking care of yourself. And that's the most important thing is that we start a better place of self. We get to a better place of self care. And like I said, that could be getting out of the relationship. So this is the Vegas therapist signing off until next time.